Welcome to yet another installment of the History Teachers Talking Podcast's short lecture series. I am your host, Peter Zablocki. Don't forget to join Thomas Reska and me every week as we delve into the annals of history, explore the past, make connections to the present, and occasionally question the future. You can always connect with us on our website at historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com, evergreenpodcast.com, or find us on Facebook, X, and Instagram. Until then, enjoy today's episode. British soldier lay quietly in a medical infirmary, the world around him engulfed in darkness and silence, interrupted ever so lightly by the occasional cough, grunt, or snore from the countless casualties around him. The British struggle for the lands of the deteriorating Ottoman Empire against its one-time ally Russia had stretched to its second year. The winter in modern-day Turkey in 1855 was mild by any Western standards, but still chilly enough in the lonely evenings. The soldier laying on his side in his cot stared at the floor. So clean, he thought. So much has changed since she arrived at the British base hospital in Scutari. Before the Angel of Crimea, patients lay in their own excrement on stretchers spread out throughout the hallways, rodents and bugs scaring past them. Typhoid and cholera quickly finished off those not already dead from the battles of the Crimean War. The contaminated water and the lack of basic medical supplies, such as bandages, led to even more suffering. But not anymore, he thought. Ever since she arrived and asked the less hurt soldiers to help her clean up the horrid conditions, scrub the floors and walls, move those more hurt into proper beds and rooms, and organize other cots around larger rooms such as this one, men, like this young British soldier, no longer saw the hospital as simply another stop before the inevitable death. As he laid her thinking, a small light pierced the darkness around him. The lady with the lamp was making her rounds. Yes, he thought, all would be well now. Florence Nightingale was born on May 12, 1820, in Florence, Italy. Born into the upper echelons of British society, where her father, William Edward Nightingale, came from a wealthy landowning family, and her mother, Frances Smith, was the daughter of a prosperous merchant. The affluent background allowed Florence to receive an education and upbringing that were far from the norm for women of her time. Despite the societal norms of her era, which dictated that women of her class should aspire to marriage and motherhood. Florence had a strong sense of purpose from a very young age, and she was determined to make a meaningful contribution to society. Growing up, Florence's early education was quite extensive for women of her time. She was tutored in history, philosophy, mathematics, and the sciences, subjects that were considered unconventional for girls. Her father, in particular, encouraged her intellectual development. Her family travels across Europe broadened her horizons and exposed her to different cultures and ideas. As she matured, Florence faced the pressure of societal expectations to marry a suitable suitor. When Nindale was 17, she refused the marriage proposal from a very suitable gentleman. Explaining her reasons for turning him down, Florence stated that although he stimulated her intellectually and romantically, her moral active nature requires satisfaction and that would not find it in this life. Despite her privileged background, Florence Nightingale felt an overwhelming sense of purpose that led her to nursing. Her calling to the profession was not a sudden decision, but rather a gradual awakening. Nursing, after all, was predominantly seen as a menial work and was often carried out by untrained and often unsuitable individuals. Florence's exposure to suffering and illness during her family's travels across Europe deeply affected her. She witnessed the plight of the poor and the sick, and these experiences ignited her passion, determined to pursue her true calling despite her parents' objections. In 1844, Nyendale enrolled in a nursing academy at the Lutheran Hospital of Pastor Flieder in Kaisenwerth, Germany. 
1851, Florence received her first opportunity to act on her calling as a nurse when she took a nursing job for a sick governess at a Middlesex hospital. Her compassionate and capable nursing skills, which included an emphasis on hygiene and cleanliness, impressed not only the staff but also her family. The Crimean War, which made her famous, ranged from 1853 to 1856 and marked a critical turning point in Florence Nightingale's life. This conflict between the Russian Empire and an alliance of France, the United Kingdom, and the Ottoman Empire, and Sardinia, would become the backdrop for her groundbreaking work in healthcare. In 1854, as the war intensified, the British Secretary of War, Sidney Herbert, who was a personal friend of Florence, invited her to lead a group of nurses to the Barak Hospital in Scutari, Turkey. The conditions of the Barak Hospital in Scutari were dire. Overcrowding, poor sanitation, inadequate supplies, and a rampant disease led to a high mortality rate among wounded soldiers. Florence and her team arrived to find a hospital in chaos and suffering. The head nurse not only brought with her a team of other dedicated nurses, but also a sense of order and discipline that was desperately needed. Her tireless efforts and leadership soon earned her the nickname, the Lady with the Lamp, due to her habit of making rounds at night to tend to the wounded. Florence Nightingale's work at the Barack Hospital was very comprehensive, included strict hygiene practices, proper sanitation, the organization of patient records, and the establishment of a kitchen to provide better nutrition. It would not be until 1865 that a Scottish surgeon, Joseph Lister, suggested that infection in his patients might be connected to filthy conditions that were normal in hospitals at the time. During his and Lady Nightingale's time, patients were seldom bathed and doctors or nurses worked in their street clothes, moving from one patient to another without ever cleaning their hands or instruments. When Lister began his new program of cleanliness and the cleaning of medical instruments, 85% of his patients survived surgery. Florence Nightingale, although never credited, was doing it first in the Crimean War Hospital 10 years before. She and her team undertook a rigorous cleaning regimen, ensuring that the wards were kept clean and well-ventilated. Proper disposal of waste and the maintenance of hygiene significantly reduced the spread of infections. Florence then recognized the importance of clean water in preventing the spread of disease, and she had an advanced system of water filters installed, making sure that patients and staff had access to safe drinking water. Another pioneering form was her attention to patient care. Florence emphasized the importance of patient nutrition, ensuring that they received nourishing meals. She believed that proper food played a vital role in the recovery process. Her compassionate care was equally important. Florence recognized that patients needed emotional support and the reassurance of a caring presence. Her nightly rounds carrying a lamp became a symbol of her commitment to her patients and a source of comfort during the darkest hours. Prior to Florence Nightingale's groundbreaking work, nursing was often considered menial labor. It was performed, as mentioned before, by untrained individuals with little regard for the well-being of patients. Nursing was not seen as a respected profession by any means, and it lacked the standards and education that we associate with modern nursing today. One of Nightingale's most enduring legacies was the establishment of the Nightingale Training School for Nurses at St. Thomas Hospital in London. This was a pioneering institution that provided formal education and training for nurses. It set the stage for the professionalization of nursing by creating a structured curriculum and a standardized code of ethics. Her school would become the model for nursing education and quickly gain recognition. Its graduates were highly sought after for their advanced training and commitment to patient care, marking a transition of nursing from an unskilled occupation to a respected profession. 
She also made significant contributions to the field of statistics. Florence Nightingale's work during the Crimean War proved that she was also a meticulous data collector and an analyst. One of her most famous statistical contributions was the creation of the Rose Diagram. This innovative data visualization technique allowed her to illustrate the causes of mortality in the Scutari Hospital. By using a circular chart with wedges representing different causes of death, she could convey complex information in a way that was easily understandable. The Rose Diagram showed that the majority of deaths in a hospital were due to preventable diseases and not actual battle wounds. Her statistical analysis highlighted the urgent need for sanitation and hygiene reforms, which played a crucial role in convincing authorities to implement her suggested changes. This approach to statistics not only revealed the deficiencies in the healthcare system, but also provided a framework for making data-driven decisions. The emphasis on collecting and analyzing data for healthcare management and decision-making was groundbreaking at the time. While at Scutari, Nyendale contracted Crimean fever and would never fully recover. By the time she was 38 years old, she was homebound and mostly bedridden and would be so for the remainder of her life. Yet, fiercely determined and dedicated as ever to improving healthcare, Nightingale continued her work even from her bed. Florence Nightingale was a prolific writer and author, and her publication had a profound influence on nursing practice, healthcare, and the public health. One of her most significant publications is Notes on Nursing, What It Is and What It Is Not, published in 1859. This seminal work is often considered the foundational text of modern nursing. In it, Nightingale discussed various aspects of nursing, emphasizing the importance of hygiene, nutrition, and the environment in patient care. In 1908, at the remarkable age of 88, King Edward bestowed upon her the honor of merit. Then in May 1910, King George sent her a congratulatory message to mark her 90th birthday. However, in August of 1910, Florence Nightingale fell ill. She initially showed signs of recovery and remained in good spirits. But just a week later, on the evening of Friday, August 12, 1910, she began to experience a troubling array of symptoms. She passed away at 2 p.m. the following day. Saturday, August 13, 1910, at her residence in London. To this day, Florence is broadly acknowledged and revered as the pioneer of modern nursing. Hope you guys enjoyed the short lecture. Tom and I will be back next week with a full episode. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.